0: The Bear Essentials podcast gives older bears a place to gather for real talk regarding topics and issues that they can relate to. Here at the Bear Essentials, we aren't just having conversations. We are looking to provide actionable intelligence through real life experience and expertise of our guests. Our mission is to build a strong community that elevates and motivates people to go beyond their limiting beliefs by helping them realize that getting older is not an excuse to hibernate on their goals, but a reason to work harder.
1: Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Charles Wallace. Today's guest is a speaker, a coach, and a best-selling author of the book, Greatness Beyond the Badge. I'm really excited to have him on the show today, and I can't wait to jump into this interview. So without further ado, let's jump right into the interview with Michael Ladler but first, a word from our sponsor. Wolfinger Consulting, experts who have achieved real results for their clients, including complying efficiently and successfully with overwhelming discovery orders, passing difficult third-party security audits, and deploying bleeding-edge technology platforms to control and preserve corporate information. Let them show you what Wolfinger Consulting can do for you. Be sure to check out their webpage at wolfingerforensics.com. Hey, Michael, thanks for joining me today. I really appreciate it. How are you? I'm great. I'm just happy that I woke up today and
0: i get this chance to spend time with you and your audience.
1: And I'm excited to have you. I know we've tried to connect in the past and you've actually been someone that I follow on uh, LinkedIn and I really appreciate your content. And I was hoping to get you on to share that with at least my audience and anybody that doesn't know you. Hopefully, they will get to know you even more. That's the plan. So, could you introduce yourself? Well,
0: thank you. My name is Michael Laylor. I'm a professional speaker, best selling author. And most of my life, I've been in law enforcement up to this point. It's been about 18 years. I And at the time, I've been a police officer, board patrol agent. I worked in federal corrections. And that's probably not the most important part about me. The most important part about me is that I'm a dad. I think at the end of the day, that's whoever, whoever we are as a person whether it's a a father, a brother, a spouse, recognize who you are. And that's kind of where what's got me to this point in my life. We talk about the content I have on LinkedIn. It wasn't there. It wasn't there years ago because I didn't really understand who I am. So who I am, first and foremost, is a father. And then I do the speaking. I do the serving the community. But Really? I mean, there's I'm kind of an open book. I know there's a lot I can say, but for the sake of your audience's attention and mine, I'm going to see what you guys want to know to help make the most out of this show.
1: Fantastic. Well, you started off with a great a great message because I think for all of us, I think everybody's still searching for who they are. And I think it's important mm-hmm. that you, you started it out that way. Um, I mean, the obvious question to me... It, coming into this, my first in my mind, I'm like, I'll let Michael introduce himself and then let's talk about law enforcement. You already threw me off script, which is great. I like (laughs) it because I, I love the way that that came out. And let me tell you, it came out very authentic. So what about, what about being a father? What, what, what does that mean to you and why is it so important? You know,
0: It's funny how we say we want to be a great parent, want to be a great father, great mother, um, someone to look up to. And it doesn't really take home or take place until you're sitting in a situation or in your room and your child comes up and says something to you. And when that moment happens, you're like, "Okay, I know I'm on the right path. And over the last couple of weeks, it's been amazing because my son, he's turning 10 uh, in a couple of weeks. He's been looking at my website as well as my YouTube, probably back in April, he started reading my my About Me page to me. And the day I heard him say that, it made me understand everything that I've been talking about when it comes to self-awareness, when I talk about leadership development, when I talk about defining who you are, your purpose, your path to greatness, all of it made sense at that moment. Now, there were moments in the past that I was like, yeah, I'm doing it right because other people came up to me and said, hey, Michael, great job. Um, I like your presentation, but when you start thinking about your legacy and what you're doing right now on this planet, I think for me, moments like the one I had, just him reading back my webpage without any, this wasn't like scripted. This wasn't like, hey, check out my page. It was no prompt. We were just on the phone. And he was like, dad, oh, I'm going to read this. And I was like, what are you going to read? What are you talking about? And he started going through that. He started reading my bio about me page word for word. Start asking me questions, and I was like, uh, I had a smile on my face because I was like, this is is what it's all about. It's about creating that, that foundation. Obviously, we want to create leaders for organizations, but what about leading ourselves and leading our families? Because I know, Charles, you're in the same boat as me. One day, we got to retire, right? So what does that mean? The company's still going to go on. The agency's still going to keep moving. I'm on my third agency, and the other two are still running fine. And I understand that. But what I also understand now is that my development as a person is so freaking important because that's who I am. Whether or not I'm in an organization, whether or not I'm doing speaking on a stage, whether or not I'm in a church program, I have to understand who I am. And a lot of what I've been doing over the last two to three years is building that self-awareness. Unfortunately, in law enforcement, we don't do a lot of that consistently. What we consistently do is learn about our agency. We learn about the departmental rules. We learn about the policies. But we never take that time to learn about ourselves. I don't know how many academies you've been in, but I've been in three at this point. I don't remember any curriculum up to this point talking about personal development, an actual personal development where you break down who you are, like what makes you happy, Oh, we can't talk about happiness in law enforcement. Yes, you can. That that That's nonsense. What, what drives you? What are your goals? I don't remember consistently having those conversations throughout even the academy. It's all about what can we do to follow the laws, which don't get me wrong. It's important because in law enforcement, you have to follow the rules. But what about the rule of your life? And I think that's one of the things that we have a hard time kind of building and focusing on because it seems selfish and it's not. Because the less you focus on yourself, the less effective you're going to be as a person for yourself, your family, and the organization. If you flip that around and only focus on the organization or only focus on your family, I'm going to tell you now, you're not going to grow right. And you're not going to be the best person you can for themselves. So when it comes back to just going back to being a father, it really took place for me back in April when I heard him just reading my website. Another funny thing, he went to a conference with me last month in Minnesota. And he has a shirt like this one that says Michael Layler. He's a junior. And I told him, all right, at some point in the presentation, since you're with me, a part of your, your work you're going to do is you're going to film some of my presentation. He loved it. He had my cell phone on the gimbal. He walked around. We were doing activities. He was going around. People were like laughing, joking with him, having a good time. But one of the things that I didn't realize was that he was actually listening to the presentation. And anybody that has kids or have been around kids, sometimes they don't tell you what they've heard until some time after. And for this particular situation, my presentation was on a Friday. A week and a half later when we were driving on a Saturday, he was like, hey, dad, remember when you talked about, he he probably regurgitated five, maybe five minutes of my presentation to me in the car. I was like, you heard all of that? Yeah. He said, what about what happened with the story? And what happened with this guy that didn't have a good work-life balance? I was thinking in my head, you actually listen to all that? <laughs> I wasn't really actually wondering about like what he was actually saying as much as like, man, you're actually listening. You're actually building, like you're actually paying attention. So going back to everything, is being a father is great and it's taught me a lot. And I think everything I've done up to this point, I'm starting to see at, at that level and I know I see it at other levels because I go speak, I, people tell me, but I think that touches my heart the most when my son, who I'm building this legacy for, he gets it. He gets some of the things that I'm doing. Now, is he going to be a professional speaker? I don't know. Is he going to keep running the business in the next 20 or 30 years once I'm probably out of the game? I don't know. But the foundation's there, and I think when we look at any industry we're in, You have to have that that foundation being built because when bad things happen, when you have long days, you're going to be with yourself and then probably with your family and then the organization.
1: You know, it's an interesting thing you bring up, and you mentioned that about me, page. And as you were speaking about it, I start thinking about this. And I think it's probably this way for a lot of us. When you were sitting there creating that about me, page my assumption is you're thinking about all these people that you want to present who you are to. Did it ever cross your mind that your family when yes. you were, it did? Yeah. Yeah, it did. Because one of my, my, my,
0: my slogan, my phrase is it is simple. Create your legacy. And what that means to me is I'm building something for the future. I'm not just building it for the right now. And trust me, I, I want to do great right now, but I understand that if I build this business right, if I build a professional speaking business that in the long run, that if my son wants to, or his children, whenever he has them, hopefully he has some, or any of my nieces or nephews, even my sister, whoever it might be, they can take this that I'm building and continue to grow from it. And they can, they can continue to prosper from it. So... My about me page, I, I I don't think I directly thought my son would read it, but I was looking at the big picture of, Hey, this is something that I want my family to be proud of hmm. because it's something that they can do because we see generational wealth. I don't, I don't, I have generational love in my family. <laughs> we don't have generational wealth, which is real. I, 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 I understand completely. I'm not my, my mom is great. My grandmother was great when she was alive, but the money wasn't there, but the love was there. And since they gave us that love, now I want to make sure I can bring the finances to go with that love.
1: Yeah, it's, yeah, great, great message. And you got me, you already got me thinking. And when that about me, that was pretty, pretty poignant way to start it. Cause I, I know when I kind of did my own for just a podcast, like it never, I'm like, I want everybody to know this about me, to know that about me. Right. But I, I, I can't honestly sit here and tell you that it ever, like I ever went, you know what, is, is my, is my family going to read it? Cause they see me all the time. But I, that was, that was a great way to start it. Um, you, you said something else in there that I want to definitely jump into. And I, I like the way you said this, you talked, you talked about if people, and it almost reminded me of balance, Michael, you kind of said, if you do it this way, too much of this way, you know, you worry about yourself too much, or you worry about the organization too much, you're not going to be right. When you say you're not going to be right in your opinion, What's that kind of ratio, and it's probably different for everybody, but what's that balance and how does it get you right between balancing work, home, and most importantly, yourself? You have to have time management. One of the parts of my book, like the la-
0: literally the last chapter is called the 24-hour formula. And then there, you, you, you look at your schedule hour by hour. You include sleep, eating, work, exercise, family time, and most importantly, personal development time. Because if you don't plan your development, you're going to forget about it. You're not going to forget to go to work. We, we never forget to do that. And without work's going to remind us. You're more likely not going to forget time with your family, especially if you have kids in your house or your spouse in your house or whoever. But a lot of times we forget who we, we – we forget to take that time to develop ourselves and put that effort in. So for me, the work-life balance at, is a daily – this is going to throw some people off because usually when I say it in a presentation, people are just like, they're like, oh man, I can't believe he just said that. I recommend 10% of your day is built to grow you. That's about two and a half hours a day, about 67 hours a week, and about 160 hours or so, give or take. My math might be a little off a month. But that allows you to grow to who you need to be. And who you're meant to be. That balance has to be there. Because if you don't have it. Think about it right now. Most people work 8 hours a day. On a job. Realistically it's more like 10 hours. Because you got to get dressed. You got to drive to work. You're probably going to pack food for work. If not you're going to probably grab something. However that works. Then you're going to actually physically be at that location. At 8 hours. And then you're going to have another hour or so on the backside. So where do you grow in that point? If you're spending eight to 10 hours on an organization, where do you fit time in for yourself? So I found out a good work-life balance is building that daily growth in every day. And that can be anything. That could be watching your podcast multiple times. That could be reading your LinkedIn messages, whatever it might be. I mean, Charles, I I mean, we talked about the, the amazing growth you've had on your podcast. That could be something people can look at daily. Okay, you know, part of my growth is gonna see Charles's next guest, because we want to support him, but we know that he has valuable information in that podcast. It could be reading a book. It can be just taking that walk where you clear your mind and just focus on you. You go into a level of mindfulness. Like, it can be anything, but it has to be time solely dedicated to what you're doing. And I don't mean multitasking. I don't mean, hey, I'm going to listen to Charles's podcast and then type an email. No, I'm not saying that because that's not focused on you. Because that email more than likely is going to be focused on a whole other faction that can wait. So that work-life balance comes from actually taking the time and the energy to put things, to put you on the forefront. Because we've seen in law enforcement, it's extremely stressful. There are studies out there that say that we live only 10 years after retirement. Mm -hmm. People that are non-law enforcement live 30. That's a big difference. (laughs) So in that in that time period, what are you doing to develop yourself? I mean, if you're thinking you may only have seven years, you better make that seven years count at the end. Obviously, I, I, I hope it's not seven. It was an average study. But what are you doing daily? Because that's one of the hardest things I think we face because we're not doing that. And we're not helping ourselves grow to that level because we're not thinking about it. We're just thinking about, okay, the next call for service. All right, the next report that has to be filed. okay. What, what am I going to do with my, my kids' baseball game? Okay, that's all important, but what are you doing for yourself? Mm. And that work-life balance is going to come from you actually taking the time and filling out what you're going to do daily. You say, well, Michael, that's too much. Well, do it weekly. Do something. Like, get a calendar for your life. Because what I love to say, if you don't control your time, your time's going to control you. And next thing you know, you're going to be 20, 30 years later. And you're like, oh, I should start working on myself. Well, you lost 20 or 30 years. You could have been spending, even if you say, well, Michael, two and a half hours too much. Spend 10 minutes. Start somewhere. But make sure it's focused time on you to grow. And over years, you will see it. Where I'm at right now with speaking in my business, I wasn't at five to seven years ago. I didn't start working on my speaking until 2016. And now, because I've worked on it consistently, now I have a business. Speaking. I tell people, they're like, what do you do? Oh, I'm a motivational speaker. I'm a professional speaker. Where do you go speak at? I speak mostly to law enforcement, but I speak anywhere to any group that's looking to increase their success, their their increase their effectiveness. But that didn't happen in 2016. It took me years to get to that point. Even podcasts like yours, the confidence I have right now, it didn't come overnight. It took time to build. And for anybody watching, It takes time to get there, but don't wait until you're in retirement mode or retired to say, okay, now I'm going to work on myself, do it. And over a period of time, you're going to see yourself even hitting goals quicker because you're working on more personal development.
1: Yeah. And I want to give you a compliment too, because one of the things that struck me with you being on the show is you are, and I mean this in such a complimentary way, you're so, you come across so professional. And polished without losing authenticity and i think that right there that's such a great combination like i i literally just found myself zoning out a little bit as i was really thinking more like i was at one of your speaking engagements as you were speaking because the stuff you're saying is stuff in my mind like and i i told you this before we start the podcast i do these i'm like a sponge michael i am like mm-hmm. trying to learn from every one of these guests right and i I, I just, and what you said about the time management in a couple hours, I read something the other day. Just this is how bad I think it's gotten, and why we need more people like you, and why we need to hear people like you speak to us because it's so valuable. I read a post on social media the other day. I'm not going to give the names, but somebody I grew up with. Um, they had a post about, you know, this is a bunch of BS. I don't know where all these guys get to be. And these women get to be at the gym, like that gym. I'm at the gym. I ain't making no money. Right. And I read that and I was like, man, you're missing it. Like, uh-huh. in no offense, like I can see your health literally on, on social media is declining. Like because of that attitude. But I think your message is definitely, it's so valuable and we need it. Um, you also said something about law enforcement. I have family that, in law enforcement and that's a scary stat that you said um Mm -hmm. when you speak to law enforcement like i i would imagine that audience could be a lot tougher right because it's let's be honest it's some hardened individuals Mm -hmm. how do you get across how do you get this message across to them michael
0: i relate to them right away with a story that they can relate to I, i tell stories out the gate and it's because you're right. Law enforcement, we do ourselves a disservice because we're very hardened for for, for, for obvious reasons. Um, I read a book called Emotional Survivor" by Dr. Gil Martin um, not too long ago. And one of his first chapters talked about the cynicism that we have in law enforcement and why it's there, because we may. And the story was actually pretty interesting because I was laughing during it. Like I was like, I could see myself thinking like that. He talked about, uh, I want to say it was a Boy Scout leader, and what he talked about in that story was, like, a non-law enforcement person would see a Boy Scout leader as something positive, like, oh, man, he's going to go do great with the kids, he's going to teach them growth, he's going to teach them development, he's going to help build them up to be men. In law enforcement, there's a chance we might see him as a pedophile, because we literally might say, what is he doing with kids? Because our level of cynicism is just a little different because we may only encounter Boy Scouts in that way. Like me, I've never been one. But given working in the federal law enforcement, federal prisons, some of those individuals have kind of backgrounds like that. So if that's the only people I see, to me, the first thing my mind correlates with is something negative. But let's say one of the viewers, they grew up in um, Boy Scouts of America and they've only had positive interactions Their mind doesn't think anything like that. So how do I capture law enforcement? What do I typically do? I bring up stories. For example, I talk about my longest week in law enforcement, which was in 2008. And one incident involved a traffic crash where a woman's arm was severed and I had to apply pressure to it. The other one involved a baby that was dying or dead in my hands that I had to deal with all in one week. And during that week, there wasn't... Employee Assistance Programs, EAP, it wasn't any after actions, it wasn't any debriefs, it wasn't anything that said, hey, Michael, how's your mental health? How's your mental well-being? And to this day, I still remember that. And when I bring up those stories, law enforcement, a lot of us have been through stuff like that. And maybe not those exact stories, but maybe you were in an active shooter incident. Maybe you were in an incident involving a shooting. Maybe you were just an incident where you got your butt whooped. And that's tough, too, because, Ray... I'm not a fighter. I I, I do cardio because if anything, I like to say, hey, I'll run if I have to. I mean, I shoot well, I drive well, but whatever the situation might be, I do that. I bring stories in the to show people that, hey, I know where you've been at. I don't know your exact story, but I know I've been through stressful things. I think that helps me out. Um, I think where there's a little divide in law enforcement is when people that are non-law enforcement try to come in. Like my buddy, for example, he's a professor at Iowa State. He's much smarter than me. I tell him that all the time. We work together on projects, on doing leadership assessments. And one of the things we talk about is he can't just go to a law enforcement conference and get their attention because his story has no correlation to what they do. And unfortunately, they're not going to listen as well. They hear my story and any data I give after that is more like you said, like you're like it's more like a sponge. So I think the fact that relating stories to law enforcement groups really helps them connect, I think that's what helps me succeed and has helped me to where I'm at now because I have actual stories and incidents that I've learned to obviously say out loud. And uh, like, I do appreciate you saying professional. like it took me time to get to that point. Like I, I wasn't always a storyteller. I used to always get upset when I was in trainings before and guys would give war stories, but I've learned how to use them effectively. If I give an hour presentation, it's not going to be one long story for an hour. I will incorporate it into the presentation, but also give value and strategies for people to get better. But by being able to do both of those, I think helps out. I think that's what's helped me out in the law enforcement groups, just having relatable stories and being able to show them that, yes, I've suffered through trauma as well, just at a different level that they may have.
1: You know, it makes sense. And you used another word during your description there that I think relates not just to law enforcement, but I think it could be, a. it's more of an epidemic, I think, with society right now. And I think it's cynicism. Uh, Listen, I don't think it, look, we probably have reasons to be cynical, right? But I think that cynicism is causing an issue with a lot of people with their mental and their physical health. What would you say to try to, because you're a really positive person that radiates off of you. And you're the kind of person that, listen, I've learned a lot now. I'm 51 now. I I was a cynical, very cynical person through my 30s and 40s. And I look back and that person I was is that that cynicism was a big cause probably for the way I became. So how do you talk to people that may not be in law enforcement? How do we get around that cynical nature to start to be more positive and to start to, you know, make ourselves better. Like we don't always have to be negative. I feel like some people enjoy the negativity. How do we, how do we beat that problem? I think it starts
0: with you as a person, you have to realize that every situation is different. And I know we, we say that when we go to a call for service and we're like, every call is different. There's no routine call, but it takes work. It's not easy to, just you're not, let's, let's, let's keep it real. You're not going to remove that cynicism. There's no way. like, going back to the story I just gave about what I read in Dr. Gilmartin's book, I related to that to that other officer too with the citizens, because most of the people I've dealt with that's anything related to that industry that to that group like Boy Scouts have had a closer ties to the pedophiles than positivity. But what I've also learned is that everybody is different. like literally every criminal I've dealt with is different. But what I started to look at is how did they get to that point? A lot of times, people are not set up to succeed in our society. I don't care how many programs, I don't care how many opportunities people think that are out there, depends on where you're raised, sometimes you will never see that. And sometimes, depending on where you're raised, the streets are going to be stronger than the institution. And it's hard for people to realize that, especially those that haven't been in it. And that doesn't mean, it's it's not a race thing, it's not a gender thing. A lot of times it's a socioeconomic thing. If you're in a certain environment, that's what you're going to be geared towards. So I go back to looking at this criminal and how did they get to this point? How do some people get to being a bad guy or a bad girl? You start going back to their life story and they were never going to succeed. A lot of them drop out of high school. A lot of times they end up getting into gangs or people in groups of people that pretend to have their back, a lot of times they're forced to look for that comfort. Once again, when we think about kids, kids want comfort. That's just part part of, I mean, at 12 or 13, I wanted comfort. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be around people that were going to make me better. I was fortunate enough to have a mother, a grandmother that wasn't going to let me fail. But I knew my friends, some of the people I did hang out with, they didn't have that same household and where are they at today? What have they done? And I, but that's part of understanding where cynicism, empathy, perspective comes from is that everybody's different, and everybody has a different life story. It can be easy for me to make a judgment on people. That's easy. You, you, I, I think you said it earlier. It's easy to take that negative approach and say, "Oh, that guy, huh, he's a scumbag." But we start giving that that person that label. Well, they might be a scumbag. Don't get me wrong. If if you did some stuff to some kids, you're you a hey, you're, you're a scumbag to me. But I still have to look at the other side. How did that person get to that? Is it a mental disorder? Is it that they were abused growing up? It's a lot of things to look at, and it took me time. At 20 years old, 21 years old, I didn't have that perspective that I have at 37. I think same thing with you. At 51, you've seen a lot more things now than versus being 21. And as you've seen more things, you start I I what I tell people is you start putting together putting together all the things that you've seen. And while it's easy to make that surface judgment, would you want someone to make that same judgment on you, not knowing your story? Because everybody has a story that's got them to where they're at. And I think for law enforcement officers, as you grow, it's good to actually understand how people got to where they're at. Because if you don't, you're not going to be helpful. And then you're going to carry that cynicism back into your life, and you're just going to be angry at the world. I mean, road rage. I mean, that's a little off what I'm about to say, but people have road rage. I tell people, what are you mad about because you don't know what's going on in their car? Yeah, they cut you off. Okay, I don't get road rage. I'm just like, oh, that person must be mad at me. I don't get it because maybe their maybe they're, they're, they're their their kids just got their nose busted in school and they're trying to get to them. Maybe they have to use the bathroom. I don't know. Or maybe maybe they're just a holes. I don't know. <laughs> but but as part of perspective, you don't know because we've all drove fast before. We all go cross the lane without using our turn signal. We all have done. We all rolled through a. We did the California roll through the stop sign. We've all done it at some point. But perspective, I think, is what it comes down to. And when it comes to that cynicism, trying to manage it and understand that there's a bigger picture out there, I think that's where personal development comes back into place. Because as you read more, you listen to positive podcasts like yours, Charles, that's where you see the growth. You're like, oh man, all this happened to this person? I would have never thought that Michael went through a divorce. Well, I have been. I'm still positive. Oh, Michael's Hasn't they get every job he wanted? Well, we don't get every job we want. Hey, you keep pushing. Oh, Michael grew up um, moving from house to house. At one point, I lived out of trash bags. My clothes, I a dresser drawer was a trash bag to me. But I understand that and I grow from it. But I go back to that cynicism. and I'm like, OK, why am I thinking like this? That Boy Scout or that Boy Scout leader? Okay, let me go back. There, there, There's probably a positive side. Let me figure out how to pull that out. So when it comes to my energy and when it comes to cynicism, it's not easy to manage, but I try to take everything into, the, into my entire picture, and then I try to grow from there. And it's helped me out a lot.
1: Mm. Again, great message. And also, I just want to make a service announcement here. Michael's thoughts are his own. I've never broken any traffic laws for any police officers that are watching, so don't <laughs> That's Michael, not me.
0: <laughs> um, good, good point. Yes. That, he, he, he did not tell me, though. As far as it, I know, he goes five under everywhere.
1: Everywhere. Um, One last thing I want to tell you before we move on for that. My uncle, my uncle Tom, uh, one of my favorite people in life growing up. Um, He's gone, not with us any longer. Philadelphia police officer. Um, He had what you call a gift of gab. And I'll never forget this. He told me one day we're sitting there and he said, let me tell you something some of the nicest people in the world were the people I arrested. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. He's right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I, I, I remember that still. And I was like, you know what? That's a, that's a great point. Um, well it's, as we're talking now it's June, which is men's mental health awareness month. So mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to ask you, cause I think this is a tough topic and I think you're doing a lot of work in this area to help. I mean, for police men, police in general, Michael, how, how difficult is it for them to even come forward? And then what, what resources are out there for them to get the, the help they need? So it's funny
0: because when I created my self-awareness presentation back in the summer of 21, um, I opened my business and it wasn't necessarily dedicated to law enforcement or self-awareness. When I opened my business back in October of 2017, it was designed on leadership and I was kind of serving every anybody that wanted to bring me in. That doesn't work well, guys. So if you're an entrepreneur, you gotta pick an industry and you gotta stick with that initially until you get a foundation. If you come out like I did, you're just all over the place and nobody knows what you're about. And it trust me, guys, it's not it's not a it's not a great formula to monetize a business and become profitable. But It was until the summer of 21 where I started to look at things going on. Obviously, we had a big incident happen outside of COVID. COVID's a whole other piece in itself. But we had the whole George Floyd thing. And I remember being at my house, actually this one that I'm in right now, and thinking about how did he get to that point in his life? That the decisions he made, the way he reacted, but then all the other officers and just how are officers doing this? Because that was probably one of the hardest things we've taken in probably the last two decades on law enforcement was that particular incident. There, there were other ones. You had the Missouri, Ferg- the Ferguson, Missouri incident. We had the recent one in Memphis. But I think that one was probably one of the worst that I've seen as far as what we deal with in law enforcement, Our, our what, how people perceive our industry. I think for me, that was probably the worst. So what I had to look at is why are we why, why are we so stressed out outside of the normal cause? And what I realized going back to is we're not working on ourselves as men. We're, because we are such providers and a lot of us are lions to our family. A lot of us are lions to our organization that we put our own mental health and well-being on the back burner. If our spouse, our kids are having a bad day. We wipe away our bad day because that comes first. For mental health, men, men's mental health to improve, it's not going to be easy because I say it now at 37, you had me at 21, 22, I was in the border patrol running after illegals in my mid-20s, I would have never been able to admit to stuff like this, but you have to. It's, it's, it, it's a winning formula. I mean, I go to counseling and I love it. I've used EAP before. I still use it to this day and I love it because it's amazing to have somebody to talk to that's completely removed from our industry. A lot of our organizations have EAP, Employee Assistance Program. If you have have it, I recommend getting involved in it. There's anywhere from six to 10 sessions that you can get into and just go talk to somebody. Pick a topic that's, even if you think it's stressing you out, Go go, go get involved in it. Just go talk about it. And it's relieving. I know when I was going through my divorce, I don't know who whoever has been on divorce before but it's a stressful time whether you want to whether you wanted to be or not and I found strength in going to my church. I was going to church 3 or 4 days a week. I didn't even know I could go to church that much. <laughs> I didn't even know there was that many days to go to church, but I found that speaking to people, um serving others really helped me out at that time. But as a man in law enforcement, we're not taught to show weakness. That's I mean, and and even you could say women, women in law enforcement, none of us are taught about weakness and going to people for help because we're supposed to be the people helping others. But what I've realized and I think the whole world is starting to realize is we're not focused on mental health. And it's because we have to make sure that people understand that it's okay. The resources that are out there, they've been out there. Some of the ones I've named on this show didn't just start last year. They've been out there. But. I think the biggest resource is you saying, "Okay, I'm going to go talk to somebody. I think that's where it starts. You are your biggest resource, because if you don't go if you don't go initiate it, you're not going to get it done. There's other departments like I was talking to a guy, Deputy Chief Ruben Ramirez out of Dallas PD. And we were talking about how they create a program called Checkpoints for their agency. He just implemented it about a year ago. He wrote an article in the recent IACP magazine about it. And in that program, they have their peer support team. What they do is they'll follow up with people, I want to say every month, that's went through any major incidents. And they just follow up and say, hey, how's everything going? Hmm. Do you need anything? And they just have that follow-up. Now, there was another study, and it wasn't based on what he did, that says that the smaller the agency goes, the less programs they have. Which we talk about funding and well, we can't have a peer support unit, Michael, you got to do something no matter what it is. You have to find There's There's people like me that just do self-awareness classes. That's part of treating yourself. If I can find a way to get my book to you or a workbook to you, that's a resource. And it's not going to cost you or your agency more than twenty five, thirty dollars if you just say, hey, I just want a book to write, write on. I just want the paper that the workbook I'll write on the back of it. I may not read it, but I'll write on the back of it. But you have to do something to build yourself up. I don't know about you, Charles, but my door is always open. My phone's on. I mean, I have it sitting right here next to me. My email's open. My my social media is there. But to build up mental, men's mental health, it starts with the person realizing that they need it. I know people that go through tough stuff. And a lot of times, I'm, I, I I was just talking to my buddy yesterday. He, he learned about an investigation that was put on him that he didn't feel. And I said, how are you handling it? And that's a very tough question to ask somebody else. It's because you don't know what they're going to say. Mm-hmm. I talked to somebody a couple of weeks ago, I, I, and I just, saw him, I said, "How's everything been going with you?" And he was like, when he started to do that pause, I saw it coming. I, I, I saw, I saw what something not good. He was like, "Yeah, man, I'm going through a divorce. That's why I lost so much weight over the last year." I was like, "Well, tell me about it. Tell, what, what, let's, how, how are you handling it?" And he was like, uh, he said, "I was doing really good over the last year." Like, I stopped drinking everything, but over the last month or so, I started drinking again. But he said, man, the fact that you just brought that up, I now I, I, I don't need to do it because in his situation, he was getting divorced and he had all three kids. Hmm. And they're teenagers. My son's 10, or going on 10, and I can only imagine what what he's going through. But... Those tough questions you have to be able to ask yourself. And obviously, as individual leaders, we can ask it as well. But the resource I think starts with us realizing that there's stress everywhere and not just saying, oh, I'll be okay, because you're not going to be okay. Hmm. I talk about stories that happened to me 15 years ago in presentations that I can picture them in my head still. I can remember. Step by step, what happened? I can remember that the van that lady that that flipped over—it was a white van—on Appalachian Parkway in Tallahassee, Florida, across from Governor Square Mall. I can remember that. I just spit it out clearly, just like that. Same thing happened to all of us, and building that level up of of understanding that it's okay to ask for help, I think goes far away. And I, I think I I do believe that law enforcement is is I think we're at a great point right now. Because 15 years ago, that wasn't um, promoted or marketed like the way it is now. And I think that our agencies are doing a lot better. I think we're going to start seeing more wellness programs built into even academies, which is important. So for all of us that are kind of on that crusty level of uh, where we're at law enforcement, it's okay. If you have 25, 30 years in, you can still ask for help. That doesn't you, – you, your, your brain doesn't have a, a waiver because you've made it thirty years, you still got to go get help. You you still got to be able to admit to it and tell somebody. If you don't want to tell your peer or if anybody go go see a counselor, they're not going to tell anybody. They're they're literally that's that's their job is not to tell. They listen and trust me, it works.
1: Yeah, Michael, thanks for that message. And I I I love when men like you are on and speak about it because I think sometimes as men will look at somebody like you law enforcement, it gives people courage to say, you know what, mm-hmm. if a guy like that or a man like that can speak about it, what, why the hell am I afraid to speak about it? So, so, cool. so thank you for that. Um, want to end with this. I mean, I think you got a lot of valuable content. Uh, I want to give you a chance to tell some people, you know, ended here with your book, your social media, how can, how can people find out more about you?
0: Well, if anybody's looking for my book, you just log on to Amazon. It's pretty quick. It's Greatness Beyond the Badge, the three key principles for self-awareness. You'll see a blue cover that says Greatness Beyond the Badge. So it's pretty simple. Um, one of the things I am and I have been aiming for since I published my book last July was one of my goals, which I think if I can ever get there will be an amazing part of my legacy, is to get my books in the hands of every officer at each agency. That's one of my goals. I've been able to do it for a couple of smaller agencies now. I was actually able to get to a Department of Corrections. I sold them like 800 books. But my job is to get my book to every single person that I can. So if I'm working with, let's say, the LA, the LA Sheriff's Office, I know they have about 18,000 officers. If I can get them 18 books to every officer, that will be amazing because part of growth is knowing what's out there. And I think a lot of times, at least, Prior to 2021, when I start when I started to focus on self-awareness, I didn't know what was out there. It's not until now, with all the self-awareness, all the personal development, that I realized how many resources are out there for people. When I sit here and I say on this video what I've seen, it's because I it was during personal development time. <laughs> so you guys can see how that all that correlates. So if anybody's looking for the book, it's greatness beyond the badge. Obviously, if you want it for your agency, if you're if you have any role in buying bulk, uh, book or bulk books, let me know. You can reach me at Michael at Obviously my website is MichaelAlatler.com, LinkedIn, where Charles and I met. Um, that's always a big platform for me. Um, you can direct message me, DM me. Obviously I post daily throughout the week and I'm always trying to find ways to add value to you guys. My YouTube channel, which I'm growing. I'm about 104 videos in now. It's been pretty cool because I've been really focused on that the last year and a half so there's a couple of resources you can find but obviously charles has my contact information i definitely hope you can subscribe and like this video comment on give it his five stars that he deserves because i think that's important as well but a part of our collaboration not just charles and I, but us as the the, the people speaking and the viewers is realize that there's people like us out here we want to see you guys grow, and if you're looking for myself, you have my social media. I told you my email. You can rewind back about 30 seconds or so to kind of look, hear that again, but reach out, guys. You're not alone, and there's resources available, and if you don't want either of us, just go find somebody. Hey, my goal is if I can get one of you individuals just to start focused on yourself, that's a win for me because that's what it took for me, and that's what somebody else did for me years ago. They just they helped me out and it went and it took me to another level.
1: Yeah, and I'll make it easy for everybody too. I'll make sure to add all this stuff into the show notes so mm-hmm. that they can click and and you know, I'll just I'll just end with this. Um I find Michael's content extremely valuable. So please, you know, it's it's men like him and the content he's putting out there. It's it's like he said, it it's we need to make ourselves better and that mm-hmm. schedule of you know, a few hours a week add a guy like Michael and his content into that schedule, you'll benefit from it. So thank you all. I always appreciate everybody tuning in. Michael, thank you. And listen, everyone take care. And if you need anything, any help, people like Michael and myself, we're out there. Just reach out. Take care, everyone. Bye. Bye. This has
0: been the Bear Essentials. Thanks for listening. And remember, never hibernate on your goals.